Music City Bowl, Auburn versus Maryland in Nashville, December 30th. That is what we're going to talk about on today's episode of the Auburn Daily Show. That matchup, a little bit about that history, some early, early things to look out for. And of course, this is going to be an ever-changing story because it's only December 3rd as we're recording this. Portal season opens tomorrow. A lot could change. So we call this a thousand foot view of what this matchup may look like and with the exciting season that decembers are now and probably will be for the foreseeable future in college football who knows how different this could look in just a few short weeks we jump right into it thank you guys for listening to today's episode of the auburn daily show whether it be on podcast youtubes wherever you are consuming our content we thank you all the same we'll leave a quick shout out to our youtube viewers we're almost, as of recording right now, four away with 1,000 subs. I uh, started hosting the show. It was just over 900, so we're almost up nearly 100 from when I took this over a few, I guess, earlier in the season. So cannot thank everybody enough. Love the support. Uh, I've loved doing this, and uh, it's it's been a blast, and looking forward to some of the best content even yet to come. So if you were listening to our podcast and you haven't subscribed to the YouTube channel, might I encourage you to do just that. And of course, you know, vice versa, if you're on YouTube and haven't like, you know, subscribed to the podcast, reviewed it, stuff like that, you know, help us out, show us some support. As I said, it means everything. And that also can allows me and the team Auburn Daily to continue putting this out and except get more awesome content moving forward. So enough about internal business. Just want to say thank you guys. And before we get right into it, I want to also, uh, just while we're getting the thank yous out and all the business talk, I want to thank you to the show sponsor, Hope Like a Rage Room. Of course, it is rage season. It is end of the year. A whole lot to get out. It's holidays, no matter what it is. There's always a good reason to go to a rage room. Also, it is the end of the year. So if you are thinking about work parties, end of the year parties, whether you are on a team or you're a leader of a team manager, whatever it may be, Great way to kind of break up the end of the year, get together, quarterly party, Christmas party, whatever it may be. Nothing is more topical of just like, let's literally blow some steam from work than going to break stuff. A lot of which is like actual literal work office equipment. It's a lot of fun. Super, super popular this year. And yeah, uh, like I said, if you are the boss, do what your team wants to do. And if you are on the team, maybe nudge your boss, tell them, hey, this is this is how I want to spend our end of the year party. If you're in the Auburn area, Auburn Opelika area, of course, they're located right outside downtown Opelika on 2nd Avenue, just on Opelika Road, heading that direction. If you miss them, check out the website, opelikaragium.com. And of course, they have a sister. Second location in the Birmingham area, Birmingham Rage Rooms. If you're listening to this show and you're in the Birmingham area, of course, location number two. You can check them out. Same owners, same great, awesome fun. I want to thank them for supporting the show. And also, like I said, allowing me and the team to keep doing what we're doing. So, bowling. Auburn bowling. But before we get into Auburn bowling, I want to mention, we can't talk about, there's a a literal elephant in the room. There's a literal elephant in the playoffs that we're going to talk about. Because, yes, we're going to talk about Auburn, but there's just a little too much going on here that had to kind of get some two cents out on this just while it's still fresh. So, it was obviously Sunday, bowl selection, playoff selection, all that stuff happened. And yes, it doesn't have as much to do with Auburn. So it's sort of like, why am I talking about it? But like the way I look at it, it like totally does have to do with Auburn because this is literally, this is 2004 for Florida State. 
like I, I thought the 2004 anomaly situation like that was a, a this should never happen again we're, we're designing a system to where this will never happen could should never happen and sure enough they they being the committee the decision makers go and do this all over again so guys i'm doing a little bit of research here because i need to look something up while we talk but they uh dubbed florida state and how in the world that's ended up happening is beyond me for going undefeated it still blows my mind how that ended up happening how I just games should matter. They won their game. They were a conference champion. And so you got to look at it a few different ways. I, I think it goes without saying that Washington, Michigan, pretty much automatic lock. So then that kind of leaves you here circling your next ones over here. There was no, there was no chance for Oregon just due to, they lost the heads head to head with Washington twice. Just didn't make any sense at that point. Ohio State had lost to Michigan already, so it was like, okay, they're out. That also didn't make any sense. Then you kind of have Alabama, Texas, Florida State, and Georgia. Well, if you are solely going on this whole premise of four best teams in the country. Like if that is the sole rank and your presence is, well, games don't really matter, then Georgia should still be in the playoffs. Because I I have a feeling that if you put Georgia in the playoffs, they're beating two or three of these teams, at least. Couldn't tell you which ones, but I have a feeling Georgia still is. But why are they not in there? Because hmm, games matter. They lost the head-to-head against Alabama. Alabama was the conference championship. So you're sitting here and you look at it all. You can't not put in a conference champion, Alabama, when you say it like that, or you can look at it and go, well, what about a one-loss SEC team? When you say it like that, there's two of them right there. And then you go with – it's like the transit property is like joked about and talked about. It's like, oh, it's not a thing. You know, it's not this. It's not that. You can't judge anything on transit property. You're also not supposed to judge a team like I think it was actually per the playoff like committee's parameters for how they make decisions. Like injuries are not supposed to be factored in at all, which we'll get into that here in a bit. But so, so you look at it that way and you go, okay, well, if you if you make a little triangle here, you say, okay, well, you know, Alabama beat Georgia, Texas beat Alabama, so Texas. That's not how it would like really work in the real world, you know, and how we kind of go back and play the gymnastics of transit property. Because if you do transit property and you loop it around and you know, round here and you know, bring this up, drop your remainders, then I could, I could mathematically prove in some strange way how New Mexico State should be in the playoffs. I mean, New Mexico State beat Auburn by. 21 points or Alabama only beat Auburn by three points. You know, obviously that that's, that's the illogical fallacy of what the transitive property is. It obviously doesn't hold any merit there. So then you look at it and you kind of see some of these decisions that the committee makes. You're almost kind of wondering like, is there some transitive property in some of this? Is there not? Should there be here? Is there not there? Are they 
holding it over this team's head, but not this team's head. A lot of questionable things that are to be had there. And so then you raise the question of, do I think Florida State would beat Alabama if they played head-to-head? Right now, probably not. With Travis? Probably so. Well, the committee doesn't make decisions based on that, so you have to throw that out the window. They are 13-0. and Is it crazy that the team 13-0 and was snubbed? Yeah. Especially when you've got two one-loss teams in there. Do I think Georgia would beat Florida State? Yeah. Do I think Georgia would beat, like I said, I already, already said Georgia would beat some teams in here. So it's it's a slippery deal. It's real slippery. And what I really think they should have done is just said, you know what? Texas did beat the head-to-head with Alabama. They won that game. These games matter. Florida State won all their games in their conference championship. They should be in there. Because, and Mike Leach had a wonderful rant about this in 2017. I It's on my Twitter. You can go check it out there. You really should probably find it anywhere. Mike Leach rants about playoffs. But the, the deal there is, and he kind of, you know, is on his Mike Leach thing. But it was just like, if that's how we're going to do it, then why, why even play the games? Like, why not just have a committee get together and just vote vote the playoffs at the beginning of the season for just what they think it is? What what? What real parameters do they deem it as? And why I'm going off on this more so is obviously this has snubbed Auburn before, and this system has benefited Alabama numerous times to the sense of they get in, well, this is BCS, but all the same, they get in because they are fortunately, like they don't have to play a conference championship in 2011, so they just waltz in there. Uh, same same similar situation in 2017. So it's just one of these things where it's just like. And then here it was almost to Georgia's disadvantage to play a conference championship game because they were undefeated. So it kind of makes you wonder, like. Is is the conference championship game? I mean, even to Auburn in 2017, if Auburn hadn't played in the conference championship game, a team they'd already beaten weeks prior, like they would be so. It's this weird kind of fallacy of just the the human decision and punishing teams disproportionately for winning and then rewarding those for not. And I do think, and who knows what it'll look like. I think there's going to be a whole new slew of problems we haven't foreseen in the 12-teamer. But you're going to have this deal of... Anyway, you'll, you'll have more problems there. But I, what I think they should do, and I go back and forth with all this, but it's odd how there's not some type of like automatic qualifiers. And I know the debate was get X number of conference championship teams and then have a few at large. I think it was like the, the eight team playoff situation. I think you do something like that with a few more parameters. You, you might have your system down. I think 12 is honestly just a few too many. Cause if you look at it there, like is Ole Miss should Ole Miss be a playoff team? No. Cause at this point, Ole Miss has lost to, you know, how many teams? I guess Alabama, I don't think they play Georgia this year. Did they play Georgia? Um, let me take a quick peek here. Yeah, so there you go. So Ole Miss has lost to Georgia and Alabama already. Like, so they, they need to get play the playoffs again. So Oregon's lost to Washington twice. So they play a third time. You just, you kind of get this weird, you kind of get some weird situations like that. So doing it with qualifier for the most part is going to, 
have that to where teams wouldn't play each other. You're avoiding the whole rematch type situation, which has been annoying enough already in conference championships and or playoff postseason national championship situations. Cough, cough. So it, it really sucks when the system robs a lot of the the joy out of the sports. And this isn't just the, oh, you know, you hate Alabama. You're, you're uh, you know, you're, you're looking at this from the barn perspective. Like, not really. Like, I'm just looking at it from, like, the common sense perspective of you snubbed an undefeated team. Now, if Florida State had one loss in there. I don't think it would. this would be much of a debate at this point. But fact of the matter is they didn't, and that's a really tough situation. Do I think they would have won it? No, probably not. But they still deserve a chance to get in there. So it's 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 just where do you kind of do? Are you talking for best? You're talking most deserving, and that's where you kind of get this debate in, and and having it be so arbitrary, and that was kind of the issue of like, we, oh, you know, the BCS, the computers are too this and another. We need a little bit more of the human perspective that kind of understands. And now I think we've kind of swung too far to the other direction. So. There'll be a lot of debate for this. Sorry, I probably rambled a little too long about the playoff situation. That was just a, um, it was just a, uh, just the topical nature of what was happening today. But uh, we will move on to the bowl matchup of Auburn in Maryland. So, thanks for making it this far. Most people had predicted Auburn would hit the Music City Bowl, and not the opponent. I think a lot of eyes were on. Wisconsin as being the opponents. Fun fact, the first time Auburn played in the Music City Bowl in 2003, it was Wisconsin. Auburn won that. Thank you, Jason Campbell. And they played it again, famously or infamously, depending on how you look at it, against Purdue just a handful of years ago and absolutely derailed Peru. Peru. Purdue in that game, uh, Jared Stidham going away presence. Great time. So this will be Auburn's third time in here. Also, since we're on the hot number threes, this is Auburn's. I guess this will be Auburn's fourth time. They played three prior of Maryland. They had first matchup was in 1952 in Birmingham. They lose seven, three, but alas, the game was avenged in Auburn in 1958. They won 22-7, and then they played in 1983, where Pat Dye gave him a big old can of 35-23. to And now, here we are 40 years later with another matchup in 2023. So... Nothing too crazy. It's not like this is a, a a seasoned or any historic or any type of rivalry or story. It's just a team that's kind of randomly played a few times throughout their history, which I personally like that a little bit more. I kind of like getting to play a matchup you never had or haven't had a lot of. I mean, I just I think a lot of people were dreading just the idea of playing Wisconsin again. You just felt like Auburn has played Wisconsin hundred times. And let me just look that up. How many times it's actually been. So if you're listening, pause and try to guess how many times it's been. Do, 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 do. Okay. Get ready a chance to pause. And all right, we're going to look it up and Wisconsin and Auburn have played each other. Are you ready? 
four times. <laughs> it, feel, it, it feels like they have played each other a ton just because it was just like, you know, the Outback Bowl or the Music City Bowl, wherever it was. No, they have only played each other four times. So, and one of those was a tie, too. So you you played them in 1931, where you tied them 7-7, in 03, 06, and then 2015. And, like, Clemson like was kind of like that, especially in that era where like, Auburn just seemed to be matching up with Clemson like an absurd amount of times because you had two home and homes with them in less than a decade and then uh, got with them in a season kickoff game and a bowl game. So you had it like bowl game, break, home and home, season kickoff. And then not longer, you had another home and home with them. So more of the story. Feels nice to kind of break it up. Different little matchup here. So let's go and peek in the zoom into what's going on at Maryland. So Maryland is sitting at an interesting, and I say interesting because I'm going to zoom in, or I'm going to explain why. They are sitting at seven and five. So on paper, it doesn't sound too crazy, but they got throttled by Penn State at home. But then they also played a very, very close game with Michigan at home. To where, I mean, they they were in that game. They had a chance to win it down on the wire. You can say that Auburn has maybe played some close games against some playoff teams that came down to the wire more than once this season. So, and then also, too, they played Ohio State pretty well as well. So, they have gotten... So, the Penn State game to... Maryland would be what maybe LSU was to Auburn because, like I said, they lost that game 51 to 15. And then the Michigan Ohio State would have been very similar to kind of what Auburn had with Georgia and Georgia and um, Alabama. God, I cannot talk. So the deal there is that wasn't a, that game was not a, it was closer for most of the game until Ohio State ran away with it and scored 14 in the fourth quarter. But for the first three quarters, that was not a – that game was – I mean, it was tied at halftime. So I think going into the fourth quarter, that was a – I think it was a three-point game going into the fourth quarter. So, like I said, they got some garbage time points in there. But still, that's an Ohio State team. And we'll add, too, that it was at Ohio State. Now, another interesting tidbit here, and who knows how much of this will play a factor, but it's still worth mentioning. This is a team that's a guy named Peyton Thorne has played against twice. So in 2021, Peyton Thorne, 40 to 21, beats the brakes off this team just for kicks and giggles. We'll pull up what Peyton Thorne did that game. He was 22 for 30 for 287 yards, four touchdowns and one interception. Needless to say, I think that is, I think we could safely say Peyton went off. Now, the guy who they played against quarterback there, who is still currently the quarterback and somehow still even has another year of eligibility after this year, thanks to COVID and redshirting and transferring all the other earnings you can do. Tulia Tungabaloa, the brother of Tua Tungabaloa, the 
former Alabama, current Miami Dolphins quarterback. He was 29 of 48, 350 yards, two touchdowns, one interception. High flying game. So we'll go look here at 2022 when Michigan State faced off against them now. Maryland did win this game 27 to 13. Obviously, that was a five win Michigan State team. Peyton Thorne went 27 to 44, 220, 221 yards, one touchdown. Agavaloa went 32 of 41, 314, one touchdown. So a lot was going on in the air. And that is kind of another thing that you will shoot with him is. This team likes to air the ball out. So he has 3,377 yards for the year, 66.4 completion percentage, 25 touchdowns, 11 interceptions. Not too bad. Now, on the year, he only has 18 rushing yards, so this is not a quarterback that is going to be taken off and torching you with his feet. I believe he uh, has been sacked, let's see here, 26 times. So I don't have the numbers for what the runs would have been, the, the sacks adjusted this or another, but like I said, with the, the end of the season there, this is, this is going to be a quarterback that's going to do it in the air. The running back... MB has got 663 yards rushing, 4.9 average, four touchdowns. Next guy up or next two running backs are roughly in the mid to high 200s. So this is a team that is most definitely going to be airballing the thing around. And in years past, let's book up. I was going to kind of glance at 2022 here. 3,000 yards, Tungaloa there. And then the year before, almost 4,000 yards. So needless to say, we're going to be looking to the Auburn DBs here say, hey, y'all got your work cut out for you. They do have some talented receivers. They have two 700-plus yard receivers right now. Then their third third guy up here is at 609, followed by just under 500 for their fourth. So the problem there is you got a lot of guys that are catching a lot of balls. I guess their fourth, that was their tight end was their fourth feet, you know, technically. technically. Noting, but also too, their running back is at just under 300 yards passing as well with three touchdowns. So they will get the running back involved in the passing game as well. A lot of high flying offense on this team. Now it's early on. I haven't gotten advanced stats yet. I hadn't gotten a whole lot of nitty. I've kind of watched Maryland in passing. So as we kind of get closer to this game, I know there's going to be a lot of people who do a lot more in depth of this. This is like I said, the thousand foot view was not trying to get that heavy into it. Now, the good news here is this is very much, very likely probably going to be a home game for Auburn. If you look what happened with Vanderbilt, they're going to pack out Nashville once again. I think this is going to be a very much favorable game. Let me look it up here just to see. University of Maryland. I'm going to see how far Maryland, the University of Maryland is to Nashville as the crow flies. So if you were to drive that drive from Nashville to Maryland, you are looking at. That is a 10 hour drive. Not exactly super close. Comparatively from Auburn, that's like a four or five hour drive. That's not including factoring in the. Auburn fan bases in Huntsville, Birmingham, then, of course, Nashville itself. I'm going to 
be willing to bet that Auburn has a much stronger alumni base in Nashville and in surrounding areas than Maryland does. Moral of the story, you're probably going to see a pretty hefty takeover similar to what you saw with Vanderbilt, which could be a very, very um, useful uh, – <laughs> that could be very useful for um, – helpful is probably a better word – Helpful for Auburn. Now, the kickoff time for that, uh, they released this, is going to be at 2 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Central on ABC. So, you know, good old afternoon games, cap it up. And then this will be the other kind of element that I want to get into is there's a lot of chatter about is, you know, do the bowl games matter? Oh, before I get into that, let me let me just one one last tidbit on this. Uh, the the ESPN matchup predictor as of right now has Auburn favored to win. I don't have the spread just yet. Apologies, apologies on that. So I think the spread is. Let me click through this to find out. Lots of sorry, I got way far away from that screen. It was like. I was like in the fifties. It was in the fifties, and Auburn. I think it was like, dear Lord. Here we go. I found it. I had dug deep in the rabbit hole. Fifty-three point one to forty-six point nine. So I'm going to kind of be presumptuous when I say this here. Maybe they're kind of almost leaning that that's a fifty-fifty game with a slight edge to Auburn because it's probably going to be a little bit more of a home field advantage for them than Maryland. It's probably kind of what they're getting at there. So needless to say, this is probably going to be a closer game than folks think. Maryland does have, they have some firepower. Now they have kind of come short as well, but they, they can put up some points. They can put up some big offense. They can put up some yards and they have, played in tough games on the road and they played some tough games at home and where we're kind of getting at, actually I'm going to bring this argument up in the uh, playoff situation. I can't believe I forgot it because me, my most really most important point is the deal with why I think Alabama got in. And I don't think it has to do with anything with Alabama. I think you get to zoom out a little bit more and just talk about like sec bias as a whole to where for the last 15 or so years. I mean, the SEC really has been by and large the best conference by a pretty good margin, comparatively speaking, top to bottom than everybody else, especially top. And this year it is just incredibly evident that the SEC is down as a whole, even at the top. We saw what happened with Georgia with Alabama. We saw what happened with Alabama against Texas. And we saw what happened with Alabama against teams like Auburn and Arkansas. So, and then Auburn with like, you know, New Mexico State. As he's still still a great conference, but I think comparatively speaking to other years, it is down. I don't know if the national perception is quite caught up with that narrative yet, because I think that that orbit takes a little bit longer to kind of line up with what's actually going on. And I think that's why I think Alabama got a lot of that. Oh, well, the if they're an SEC team. They are great. And who knows? I mean, that could be true. Maybe Alabama doesn't win at all. But you look at the non-conference opponents and matchups that's been going on around the SEC, going 
on around the SEC. And I think you have a pretty safe case to say, well, maybe, you know, the SEC is not quite as, uh, is quite as good as it had been in years past. And why I think, why I bring that up now is because you look at what's going on with Auburn in this game, this matchup being very, very close. So the years past, you probably don't have that. And, and why I'm also saying that too is Maryland has played, I mean, the Big Ten is, you know, they played some good games in there. Like I said, you have, said so you had your Michigan, your Penn State, your Ohio State. Those are your ranked opponents. Now, funny enough, Maryland hasn't won a regular season ranked game since 2019. They won a ranked barely NC State last year in a bowl game. So Maryland team hasn't been killing it per se in the Big Ten, but there's still, they're still some tough big games, raucous crowds, physical football players, and talented football players in the Big Ten as well. So... It'd be interesting looking at the bowl projections for everybody. You have Missouri, Ohio State. That's going to be a fascinating game. Georgia, Florida State. That is probably just the most like ironic game of the bowl season. So that'll be really funny. <laughs> Ole Miss, Penn State is going to be a really fun one too. Uh, Alabama, Michigan. We'll just skip that for right now. Uh, <laughs> Texas A and M. Uh, I guess they have. Have they not? Announced. I don't see. Is this text numbers Big Twelve? Oh, maybe these. Uh, at least all right, this is the. They haven't finished announcing this part of it. Sorry, it's on an old web link. Apologize. Let me get to the updated bowl list. Do I have the updated bowl list? No, I don't. Okay, apologies for that. Bad segment. But uh, to wrap up Auburn with Auburn and Maryland, so I'll try to get that list ad lib there. Um, <clears throat> I'm going to pause to get that full list. One second. Okay, after a brief pause, we've got an updated bowl list. Apologies for that. A&M versus Oklahoma State. I remember seeing that on social media earlier. Recording a little late. It's tough when we're knocking on the doors of the wee hours of the evening. But yes, Texas A&M versus Oklahoma State. That'll be an interesting game. Also, too, that one being, I believe that's in, I think it's in Houston. So that's going to be like a essentially home game for A&M. So they'll probably show up and show up in a similar fashion for what will happen with probably what Auburn takeover round two will be of Nashville. But like I said earlier, I want to talk about last thing to kind of conclude this episode was do the bowl games matter and that had kind of been this like conversation of topic for many years like Auburn goes up and plays Northwestern Auburn plays uh, Minnesota Auburn plays well Oklahoma which would have been a fun one they very mismatched Oklahoma and a lot of these what were losses even uh UCF all I game, you know, Auburn missed the playoffs, the new SEC and stuff doesn't matter. So I've kind of got a weird take on that where it's like it doesn't matter, but then you kind of go in this whole deal and you look at it and be like, okay, well, Auburn, it's like you say it doesn't matter, but if you go back a decade and we'll just, okay, we'll just, we'll say one before the national championship because it's a completely different, that's a different ball, that's a whole different animal. 
So if you're looking at the 2014 season, I guess it was technically played in 2015, but the 2014 season lost to Wisconsin, which as we found out earlier, had only played four times, but that was like a thousand. Yeah, you beat Memphis in the Birmingham Bowl. It was kind of the Birmingham Bowl. So you're kind of like, eh. That was a decent Memphis team. Give Auburn some props there. Then you play mismatch Oklahoma team, get your brakes blown out of you by Baker Mayfield. UCF, that was kind of the whole all, oh, you know, they the season with the way it is, they gave up and da, 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 they it was the they they weren't they weren't checked in for that one. And then, you know, Jarrett Stidham going away president just bulldozing Purdue. Then it was kind of the Minnesota and the Northwestern and then Houston. And then, of course, you don't have a bowl game last year because Brian Harson before that, the Fort National Championship, you don't have one because of the Gene Chizik's final year. And then before that, I mean, Tuberville loved winning bowl games. I mean, aside from oh, all roads lead to Wisconsin in 06, I mean, Auburn had last bowl game they lost was 01. So it was like 01 through. 2011 season they only lost i guess two bowl games like Tuberville loved winning him some bowl games i guess chiswick did as well and you kind of go back to the malzon and one harson game and they were a bunch of losses plus a national championship loss and so when you look at it that way, I'm kind of like, well, do the bowl games matter? Like individually, no. But like, at what point do you kind of look back at a body of work and be like, um, does it start to kind of look bad? And a lot of people have different different ideas on this. And I may be on an island on this, where I'm kind of like, I think if you're playing, it matters. And people, oh, you guys, you know, guys are checked out, or they're not, they're not, they're gonna, you know, not play because they're going to the NFL or whatever it is. It's like. If you lose one here or there, it's fine. But like when, when it's literally like you've only won two and they were like against a bad Purdue team and Memphis in the Birmingham Bowl, like that that shouldn't like that shouldn't happen like by and large as like as much as it has. I don't want to have people being like, oh, this Minnesota team's good or this Northwestern team's good. Like that should never like it, it Auburn should never be like minus like a once in a hundred year Northwestern team type deal be like, oh man, Northwestern's good. Like, no, it's not how this should work. And that is kind of where it had just been. I think that was just kind of like a, I'm not coping is the wrong word, but just kind of like in a caring water for what the situation was where it needs to like, I think the semblance of turning this process around and saying, no, we win these bowl games now. And they need to come out there and they need to beat Maryland. And I'm not saying this is a I mean, this this is the game they could lose to. Like this isn't a horrific Maryland team. And there's a I think people kind of get into there could be some matchup situations here for Auburn. But Auburn has got a lot of offseason momentum going. We obviously had a freakout episode with Cam Coleman flipping on Friday. And then all the other news and chatter that could be going on, like you could really stack some strong offseason momentum with the bowl win. He didn't have that distraction last year <clears throat> and really kind of cap off the season strong for Hugh Freeze and kind of get that narrative good moving forward. And then you also have the monkey off your back that this is technically not a losing season. Now, will it matter in the long term? Probably not, but at what point do you have to just write off games? Or like that's the parameter. Like if you're playing in it, it matters. 
And when it kind of has a body work and you look at that number and say, yikes, that's a that's a rough stretch there. After that Virginia game that Barrett Trotter came in and saved Auburn in the Chick-fil-A Bowl, it's been some freaking rough waters for Auburn. And it's not like outside of that Oklahoma game, it's not like you had teams you had any business really losing to. Like if you just take away the rankings or this and that, it's Wisconsin, it's UCF, it's Minnesota, it's Northwestern, it's Houston. Like these are not powerhouse teams that you should vote. We got the L column there and it's a pattern of behavior. And obviously the players and the coaches and all that, that put Auburn in that pattern of behavior are gone and hopefully in the rearview mirror. My last take on this, just, I want to see a change of that. I want the bowl games to matter a little bit more. Now where I think the narrative could be for this one and some other ones is going to be in what we may be talking about in other previews of this is going to be, well, what happens with, players that enter the portal what happens with guys that say i'm going pro i don't want to risk getting hurt i'm gonna you know i'm, I'm not gonna play this one so there could be a whole new slew of and i can mention peyton thorn what if peyton thorn says you know what like i don't want to play in this game or maybe auburn gets a big transfer quarterback in and, and peyton's like you know what like i need to get out of here <laughs> who knows what might happen Portal season opens opens up tomorrow after this episode, so I think it's going to be a just absolutely insane content coming up. I want to record this before all that to not get distracted. So yeah, like there, you know, and I think this is an extreme example. Some people have been jokingly like, "Oh, can Auburn even field a team for this?" I don't think they're going to have that much of an exodus, of course, but I think it could be a good opportunity too for guys that maybe want to get one more shot to say, Hey, you know, do I have a place on this team? Or maybe somebody does leave, you know, leave and doesn't, doesn't end up playing this game. And then somebody's like, well, I could be next guy up, or maybe I can, I, I want to be here. Maybe this is my chance. I'm going to get those snaps to show to the coaches that I can, I can, I can do it. I, I can be that guy, get those reps, whatever it may take. So <clears throat> there's a lot of those narratives that'll come up. And I think that's going to be almost like the, exciting and or dramatic or whatever emotion that'll invoke type deal here. And if that is going to be this, the situation of bulls moving forward, if it does turn into this whole, like nobody wants to play in them, everybody's in the portal, the center or another, then, you know, I, I think the, the unit of college football as a, a whole has got to evaluate what's really going to have to happen. Because as I kind of mentioned earlier, we're talking about the playoff stuff. If there's like a situation where, the bigger team is at a disadvantage. What what's the point of even playing in them with the exception of the open practices or why even put them on the record? Uh, is it to the point where, we or do we stop putting these on the record books? Like, do we need to stop, stop putting these where they count, basically make them an exhibition game? Cause if you're going to have a situation where X number of players aren't even on your team, like should you really have the six and seven record? Because 20 of your guys enter the portal and they didn't play them or, you know, she's an extreme example here, but they didn't play in the bowl game or whatever it may be. Like, I don't know. So we'll see. And that may be something that can completely uh, go on. And I know bowl drama and conversation has been something that's been following college football for quite some time and kind of what that'll look like. And this playoff or bust mentality that's uh, kind of gotten into what, what it's turned into. And unfortunately I think, um, with this 12 teamer coming up and conference realignment, things like that. It's going to be, uh, it's going to be really interesting what the future 
bowl games could end up looking like if that's going to be the, uh, the the way of it. So that, or you know what? Heck, just play them in the spring. Let let it be like an A day type situation. Just do the bowl. Hey, play, we'll see it. We'll see in April, like in like a post practice thing. Anyway, ranting now. This is a longer episode. Sorry, guys, went off a little bit longer than intended. The uh, the playoff deal kind of got me going, and then you know talking a little bit about this Auburn Maryland matchup. We'll probably talk about this one again as we get a little bit closer to it. Just wanted to kind of skim the surface of it, talk about some fun little tidbits and fun little history that in Auburn's bowling. Thank you as always for listening to this episode of the Auburn Daily Show. We'll be back at you for Tuesday's episode. And I'm not even going to begin to predict what the content may be because it's going to be transfer portal opening tomorrow. So like that, that's literally anything could happen. So this month, like it's just going to be, we'll have an episode. We're going to be sitting at the edge of the seat. Sometimes we'll get a record on that now. So that's, uh, that's as equally as exciting as it is stressful, but that is the season. And that's kind of what Pat and I have been teasing about. A lot of big things will be happening and a lot of very sudden things. You know, the big thing about portal season is quick, 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 quick. So we got to be ready to respond to that. So make sure to check out everything Auburn Daily Show podcast, YouTube, and of course, check out AuburnDaily.com. Check them out on Twitter, Facebook, all that. Follow all the awesome stuff that staff is putting out there. That's going to wrap it up for this episode. Like I said, be back at you with some exciting fast-paced portal news that will very likely be happening and we'll have it dropped for you going out on Tuesday. <laughs>